This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 20th, episode 2602, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, big news for everybody today. Big, big news, and that's Joe Exotic didn't get his pardon yet. I'm gonna. I'm wearing a black armband right now. This must be big news in Oklahoma. This must be the leading news story. It's not the inauguration of a new president today. It's not Trump leaving. It's Joe Exotic didn't get out of jail. Well, here's the thing. Um. I, I haven't checked the local news because it is morning and I don't really watch local news, but I get news alerts from the local places just to make sure about weather and stuff coming in all day yesterday. I might have gotten six alerts. Joe Exotic is waiting on his pardon. <laughs> I mean, it came through my phone. Like I was like, enough with the Joe Exotic. But I must say, I'm devastated. I am so sad eating. <laughs> I really hope we got until noon today, people. Come on. Pardon Joe Exotic. And some of y'all are thinking, why on earth would you want that D-bag pardoned? Because I'm sorry, he's a he's pretty much a terrible person. Because I need the entertainment. <laughs> if he gets pardoned, they'll make a season two. And then I'll continue to use that to show Chad where he made me live in a place where people like this exist. It wasn't this too far for thing. you either, was it, that this far? No, it's not that far. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just right down 35. Um, oh, my God. But, but, yeah, like, I seriously hope he gets pardoned. Because they had I a limo waiting too. near the prison to take him home. <laughs> Oh, my God. Walk a shame if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> um, oh, his lawyer said that uh, this is what they had planned. They had planned that they had to have makeup, wardrobe, and the whole unit that would come up for his release. And that the first thing Joe wanted, first thing he wanted was his hair done. Because he hasn't had his hair done in God two and a half him. years. His, his, his roots are showing, man. He needs some help. Yeah, and then he wanted to go get pizza, steaks, and maybe a McRib. So. And again, this is Oklahoma. Dear God, I'm getting out of prison. What am I going to eat? I need myself a McRib. Oh my God. Yes, please let him out. I need that on film. Now, what's her I name took to over that. the farm, though, right? Well, so Carol Baskin in the civil suit won the facility. Now, if you did, you watch Joe Exotic? Yes, I did. I did because you made me watch it. (laughs) Yeah. So for those who didn't, spoiler alert: he gets arrested and goes to jail. Uh, So all the animals were purchased for for wanting her killed, basically. Yeah, Yeah, but he's such a savvy businessman that he he knew something was going to happen, and he signed over the all the animals to another guy named I think his name is Jeff. And then for those who weren't paying attention, Jeff uses my veterinarian. As a as a vet. And so they don't only just have big cats down there. They also have like donkeys and horses and all this stuff. And there's some trouble training the horses. So um, no, I was really? supposed to train <laughs> some of these horses. My vet recommended me as the trainer for the horses. But then when Carol Baskin won it, they had to evacuate fairly quickly. So Jeff, what's his name, <laughs> still has the animals. Carol Baskin got the property. Which apparently um, was left in a total nightmare dump. Oh, here's my surprise face. Like, what? It's a mess in Oklahoma, a big abandoned property. So at any rate, um, yeah, so I just need more. So I'm really hoping Joe gets a pardon. I'm going to send a message to Trump right now. Dear, I'm going to tweet him. Wait, maybe he doesn't have Twitter anymore. Oh, maybe if Joe got out, there would be less coverage on what Trump's doing after he's out of office, and we'd just cover more Joe. I mean, that would be the greatest. <laughs> I hope he gets out. And again, it's simply selfish. 
Elaine Bickles joining us today on uh, from Horses for Clean Water. She stops by to speak to us about how to select a suitable horse property. We're going to see how Jamie did. Post tense, we're going to find out how she did. Uh, plus some weird news and how to determine if your horse is having teeth issues and some equine news and a whole lot more. But first, we're going to do some daily winnies. <laughs> I don't have any auditor birthdays for today. Can you believe that? This is this is a rare day, but I do have a birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy 20th birthday to podcasting. That's right. It's podcasting's 20th birthday today. The first audio RSS feed, that's how you get your podcast. That's the the system that takes your podcast and puts it on a player, was created by Dave Weiner and Adam Curry. It was launched January 20th of 2001. And by the way, it was inauguration day of George W. Bush. The feed contained one item, one audio file. It was a Grateful Dead song, U.S. Blues. So there you go. That was all that was <laughs> oh on the God, feed. That was it. That was it. Uh, he eventually added a few other Grateful Dead songs uh, to the feed over time. And not a lot of happened with RSS audio enclosures uh, for several years until Dave went to Harvard in 2003. That's where he met Chris Leiden and talked him into recording the first episode of Open Source. So this is back in 2003. They recorded the actual first podcast. And by the way, Open Source is still produced today. They're still doing it all these years later. So that was the first real podcast was uh, called Open Source. But it's our 20-year anniversary. I've been doing it for 14. So 14 years. Now, when I started, get this, boys and girls uh, that are old enough to remember this, you had to go to your computer. You had to go to our website. You had to find the podcast. You had to download the, either listen to it on the website, hit the player, which were very archaic back then, and, or you had to download the MP3 file to your computer, and then you had to transfer it to your iPod, and then you had to listen to it on your iPod. So that's how you had to listen. You had to podcasts. really want it. You had to really, really want it. Um, so most people listened on their computers back then because listen, and there were no iPhones. There were no smartphones. You couldn't listen on your phone. You had your iPod. And oh, by the way, the iPods were so small, you had to keep deleting them off of there because you couldn't let a whole lot on at a time. Now, did they have to pull down the, now that there's like laws and stuff, did they have to pull down all the Grateful Dead songs? I wonder about that. Play music? Actually, they said they tried to find them years later and they couldn't find the original files. Oh. Uh, so there weren't there weren't any copies of the original files. Yeah, now if you That's did that, you get sued. That's the same file <laughs> so. as the um, the interview I did with. Uh the the, tra- the trainer that you deleted. No, that's it. It's in the same place. Yeah. Todd it's, Pletcher and Grateful an Dead RSS are somewhere heaven. together. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who, I give you a little bit of information uh, today. This is your le- lesson for the day. RSS stands for Really Simple Syndication. That's what that stands for. But that's Thank the you. reason you're listening to us today is because of audio Thanks, RSS. Cliffy. You're All right, welcome. my turn. My daily when he goes out to, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited. So one of our listeners, Hannah Reppert, uh, just adopted Sebastian Haas. One of my, the horses that I trained, Sebastian Haas came to me at the same time as Papa Tango, these two chestnuts with a stripe. And I just loved this horse. I just loved him. He was so great, but he was off the track two days before he came to me. So while I rode him around a little bit, he was just a little too on the muscle for, he just needed some downtime before he started his training, but very sweet, sound, healthy, every, all the things. Anyway, he had a couple months off and Hannah contacted me about some horse and this horse. And I said, this is the one you need. And she pre-purchased him and bought him and he got to her yesterday at 845 in the morning. So congratulations, Hannah. And congratulations, Sebastian Haas. Going to go be an eventer now. Do you have any idea how many that have adopted because of you? No, I don't. Um, I mean... So a lot of the horses that are adopted are adopted because they've seen my videos, yeah, which was I mean, kind yeah. of the whole point. Like, yeah. uh, we've had probably six listeners adopt 
horses from horse and hound, which is just freaking phenomenal. But also the, the whole point of the, the training and everything I, you know, when we started this, I asked Nelda, what do you want? Do you want me to take these horses and put lots of buttons on them and teach them to side pass and leg yield and, you know, do, uh, travers and run bears. Uh, and she was like, just show them being ridden, <laughs> yeah. you know, walk, like trot, that, maybe canter if they can do it, <laughs> walk, track, canter, jump, walk, track, canter, trail ride, something to where, because apparently they're much more adaptable if they're seeing being ridden. So that's kind of what we started doing. Now, granted my own riding, I need a trained horse because my own riding sucks now, aside from like defensive riding and <laughs> trying <laughs> to just stay on a baby. But, um, that has been very successful. That's been the key to success is having these horses just out on their own walk, track, canter, pop across rail, rock, track, canter on a trail ride and they get adopted. So that's kind of where we're at. And that's the, the formula that's working because if you go to a rescue and you see 20 Bay thoroughbreds in a field, they're like, cool, you know, a bunch of horses in a field. But if you've seen one that's been ridden, you're like, Oh, I can, I can do that. That one's rideable. I don't need to. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into getting them to walk, track, canter. You know, there's a lot of them that have issues with their ears or putting a bridle on or, you know, getting the girth on or approaching their left hind quarter, you know, because they've been hit or something, you know, so I kind of am able to sort those out and. I say, I say, I find their problems and I exploit them, uh, basically figure out what is going on and get them to where they can be. So not everyone, I just hop on a walk track canter. Like it's, it's 10 days before I can do that on some of them. And then it's two days on some other ones. And then some of them, it doesn't happen because they can't handle it physically or something. So that's kind of what I'm here to do is, is kind of iron out like this horse I have now I'm going in for surgery on Monday, Glenn. So I told Nelda, I was like, I'll bring him home on Sunday. I'll have him for 10 days and I'll just get as much done. Well, he's, he's, he's very young and very cheeky and very like has a lot of fear. So I told her, I said, you know, I, I'm not going to get what I want out of him by then. You know, I mean, maybe I, I don't think I will. And she's like, you know what? as long as you can tell me what kind of adopter this horse needs. And that's why I love this organization is because it's not about just getting it adopted. It's getting it adopted to the right person. So she's like, if you can just tell me what type of person this horse would be good for, then our, our job is done. Your job is done. So I'm, I'm really excited about this horse and, and, and the, just the whole relationship. And I just really love what I do. I can't tell. It's not apparent at all. <laughs> I just talked for five minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, before we get to our list, we have a quick list for you today on Crappy List Wednesday. Actually, it's a pretty good list. And it combines uh, two of our seg- Wednesday segments, Horse Health and our list. I have, we have a couple of news things for you. The USCF uh, issued their stats for last year's show season. And uh, so I, w- I wondered about this. I wonder how many shows actually got off successfully and how many were canceled. And I would have guessed 50-50, but it was actually higher. They ran 65% of the total competitions. Um, and considering we, what, stopped in March, and then we didn't really restart till June or July. So it was 925 camp- competitions were canceled and 1,367 took place. Well, so, of those 925, I'm still owed a entry at Feather Creek because <laughs> I was entered in that. Yeah, you can use it next year. <laughs> but I was surprised it was 65%. I thought it would be less than that, but it, it, they managed to get 65% in, which I think was pretty good considering for last year. And then for uh, some god-awful re- reason, we have another Bridgerton, Bridgerton story. Bridgerton stories are, because we said the word out loud, <laughs> all of them have heard, they, whoever they are, have heard that now we need all of the Bridgerton stories in our newsfeed. But it's becoming a very popular show, and there's a lot of horses in it, so it's well, a thing. They've renewed it for like eight seasons already. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Wasn't that so, the same lady that did Grey's Anatomy? Isn't that? Yes, yeah, Chandra, okay. Chandra, yeah, Chandra. That I love it. Um, so yeah, I love this story because the director said he has never done a period piece before, and neither had the actors. I think and it's a female, actually, director. D- yeah. So she had never yeah. done one before. Sorry, it just says Robinson. Yeah, I think here. it's a female. I think it's a female director. She said she was having such a hard time directing the. the there's a scene where. 
the Duke and Daphne are riding along side by side and she looks perfect on this gray horse, you know, side saddle and they're talking and he's on this big black horse and, and he's riding astride and they're talking and she gets irritated and trots on side saddle and like goes away. But it was a really important kind of longer conversation and they're both riding side by side. And apparently that was the most difficult scene to film in the entire show. I feel like they need to get normal horse people to bring horses because (laughs) I don't understand why two horses on a trail ride next to each other should be that hard. But she said it was the hardest thing. And finally somebody was like, you know, you can use fake horses. And she's like, I never knew that. Yeah, they have <laughs> these like equisizer like, kind of things that they use. Yeah. 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 So, but they did in all the sea biscuit shots, they used an equisizer. So, um, it, it was, she said it was the most difficult thing to get the horses to ride side by side so I could get a two shot or a single shot. It was horrific, she says. And then she apologized <laughs> to the actor. They got, the horses got so stressed out. She said the horses were such divas that anytime anybody would yell action, the horses would take off. So they used to have, they would have to go, Action. <laughs> <laughs> she said all action calls were done in a whisper in the presence of horses. <laughs> well, they tell you, what Y'all do they say about new, animals on set? <laughs> Y'all need a new person on there. Like, geez. God, I would have thought that England has so many period dramas that the horses would be so well trained to be bomb proof. I mean, I rode yesterday on a three-year-old and Duke side by side for 20 minutes. Like it just <laughs> kept going. And then Duke and then my uh, Parker rode next to each other for 45 minutes. I, it, it's not that hard. I don't know. Maybe I, it is. I saw a conversation on Facebook uh, from some of our listeners about getting teeth loaded and, you know, was this problem teeth related? And I found this on Carolina Equine Hospital, it, their website, and it's the 10 signs your horse needs a dental exam. Now, I also would say that some of these could also be they have something else going on, but it's it's one it's probably what the easiest thing to look for is look at their teeth first. Always start with the easiest thing yep. if your horse is having a behavior. Start from the beginning and work your way on. Dropping feed? That's you know, we we especially when horses get older and they have teeth problems, then you will see them drop feed and we we've had horses that have had that issue. Uh but usually getting their teeth done will help with that. Some of them will always drop feed and some of them like Nigel drop feed from the time they're born and spill it all over Take the place. Take a bite and yeah. walk around in the stall and you're like seriously and are you flinging it everywhere. <laughs> And yes. funny, Duke, like he's 27, he puts his nose in the bucket. It don't come out till he's done. I know. He's so smart. And that's the way, that's the way that uh, the pony is because Scooter does not want to waste a drop. Right. Yeah. Nigel, on the other hand, throws it all over like it's free. <laughs> uh, suddenly not eating either hay or grain. You know, if they really, you know, if it comes on rather sudden, then that look at That sounds like a colic. I mean, that yeah. sounds like an that could be. You no, know, my colic. horse quit eating. Can you come float its teeth, or I don't know, take a TPR and see? But if, if you're gonna have the vet out anyway, look at the teeth, right? So yeah, uh, dropping clumps of hay called quitting. So they they chew it up a little bit, but then it falls out. Uh, eating uh, with the head tilted. Did you know that was called quitting? By the way, I did not. I thought quitting was when they dropped the grain. Well, I guess it's maybe it's both. <clears throat> so the this this one actually was this week. I had the vet out because Pink, my broodmare, she takes a bite of food and she tilts her head sideways. Mm. And so I I'm like, oh, well, that's got to be teeth. And she's like, you know, hundred. And so I had the vet out. I'm like, please don't hate me if her teeth are really bad. But like, I, I didn't notice because she has been living now. She's living at the house with us, and now I'm seeing everything. And so she. Tilts her head sideways when she eats. She's like, yeah, she had some points, but it wasn't that bad. I'm like, what the heck? So I fed her yesterday. That heifer puts her head in the bucket and tilts her head sideways. I was like, okay, so this is just you. Maybe that's the way she eats. (laughs) Thanks for that. Uh, I wonder if that comes from at one point in life, they they really did have pointy, you know, teeth that were bothering them on that one side. And they just, it becomes a habit. I wonder if it's a learned behavior. Yeah, yeah learned that's behavior. Kind of what I yeah. thought. Uh, salivating more than normal apparently can also contribute to that. Losing weight, obviously, is one, but losing weight can be a hundred other things too. But start with the teeth; it's easy to look at. Uh, fussing with the bridle, resistant on one side more than another, a bit, especially that's where Gosh. a lot of times you find it. How many horses I've had that just they like, they won't turn right, and then you go and you you know, you get them looked at and they've got a sharp point on the left side. So every time you pulled on the right rein, the bit pushed the left side of the cheek and 
Oh, poor guys. Yeah, there's a reason. Uh, fussy with the bride. All right, I did that one. Uh, soft or hard as- asymmetric swellings. So that means it's, uh, you know, on one side, not the other. Uh, so you see swelling on one side, not the other. I kind of think if it gets to that point, you've got real problems. Uh, the teeth have been digging in for a while, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. definitely need to look at that. <clears throat> or one of them has erupted or you know, there's some serious going on at that point. Uh, one-sided nasal discharge with an odor. That was a new one. I did never heard of that. That means something's abscessed. Yeah, that's that's that that is abscess. That's what that has to be. Um, is, is it coming out the same side? By the way, like if it's the left tooth come out is abscessed, because it, it says one-sided. Yeah, that's what probably. Yeah, that makes sense. And then mouth odor. Well, if you went by that with Scooter, you, he would, teeth would be bad all the time. Uh, oh man! But when you smell a horse with bad <laughs> breath, you're like, oh god, this horse's breath stinks. If you have that, yeah, get the horse's teeth looked at because they shouldn't have. They eat grass. It's you know, they, they constantly. I think some horses so. have just well. Some horses just smell more than other horses in general, too. They're you know, bless just, his heart. I mentioned this. If you hose off Duke, he smells like old man. Every horse has a different smell too. I mean, every horse here on the farm, if I walk by with my nose closed, I would know, or my eyes closed, not my nose, with my nose open and my eyes closed, I would know which one it was because they all have a little different smell. But there you go. There's the top 10. That's from Carolina Equine Hospital. So if you've got any horses doing any of those things, have the dentist or the vet out and take a look at that. Um, we are going to go next to something, a new segment I, I came up with, and I hope uh, you all like it. We're going to try and do it every day. Jamie is this, wait, here. let me stop. Because is this one of those new segments that you do and then you forget about after three episodes? Are you going to like stick with this one? I'll let you know in three episodes. Here we go. <laughs> and now it's time for today's equestrian, who knew, fact of the day. So did you know that chariot racing was added to the Olympics in 680 BC? There were both four-horse and two-horse chariot races. The races themselves were held in the Hippodrome, and they basically went from one end to the other, and they went really hard with sharp turns around posts at either end. It was kind of like the first version of barrel racing. Uh, The race actually started, get this, this was an interesting fact, using a gate like they do in harness racing today that staggered them so the chariots on the outside began the race earlier than those on the inside. They knew that back then. Deliberately running uh, into an opponent to cause him to crash was technically illegal, but nobody did anything about it. And crashes were likely to happen by accident and intentionally. And there were lots of deaths of horses and riders. That was common. It was believed that the last chariot race was in 549 AD after the war between the Roman Empire and the Arabs. And there's your equestrian fact of the day. Did you learn something? I did. I was curious, like, why it came out of it, because that'd be awesome. You know what? We're going to chariot race. They're doing it today, but it's usually at rodeos and things, and it's it's like four or five people in, in you know, smaller chariots. I don't think they have the razor blades and things, you know, the big sharp axe handles on the wheels like you saw. Like in Gladiator, yeah. cuts, cuts you in half. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they do that. Uh, but yeah, and I don't think people are dying as much uh, in today's. But it must have been a wild thing to see, that's for sure. There's your fact of the day. I will try and bring more to you. And look how much you're going to learn. I love it. Keep it up. Hey, but by the way, let's go and talk to our friends over at Stateline Tech, shall we? We shall. Well, they are currently, it is It is still January. They're having a blanket blowout. They're also having an outerwear must-have, so you can go and look at all of the cool winter fashions. They're doing special offers on coolers, Oh my God, it's already time. Are you kidding me? They have a Valentine's Day gift guide. And it can be Valentine's Day gifts for your horse. I must have reset my my cookies because when I just went into statelinetech.com, I got the pop-up that gives me the 30% off your order again with a new promo code. Huh. Well, that's good. See, there you can go. You can go ahead and get a uh, 30% off. But again... I'm looking through these Valentine's Day must-haves right now. Okay, let's take a look at that. Let me tell you what. Your horse does not want for Christmas, okay? On this here, 
Oh, your gift, horse this is gifts not, for your horse. Okay. This is a, a sec- section that's gifts for your horse. Your horse does not Am want to Am I supposed to buy Scooter feeder. something on Valentine's Day? I didn't know. Obviously. Oh. I mean, he's your Valentine. Okay. Your horse does not want a slow hay feeder. Okay? No. <laughs> they want to gobble it all up no. as quick as possible. No, they do not want that. <laughs> but the I like this section because it's actually gifts, you know, like saddle pads and halters and things that are for your horse, horse but they're kind of for you. Yeah. Mrs. Pastures, cookies, yeah. All uh, the things, Himalayan salt. Yeah, this is when. So now, every let's go to the horse lover section of this, and let's see if you want this. Uh, a nylon halter. Do you want that for Valentine's Day? Uh, you can't have enough halters. Do you really want an eight dollar nylon halter for your Valentine's gift? No, I will not. I, I don't <laughs> have that one. Okay, let's cross that one out. Uh, anything Kelly heard? They have a couple of Kelly heard jewelry pieces on here. That that's that's a given, right? I will take anything Kelly heard and. Love How it. about horse face crew socks? Oh my god, those are so cute! <laughs> okay, apparently they're, they're approved. Horsey socks. They're approved. I do want that Defender Platinum combo blanket that's ninety seven dollars that has the neck attached. Oh, I love that. You do want that? <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be awesome. That is beautiful, and it look it's different color than the ones I already have. So it'd be nice to have something that wasn't navy blue. <laughs> All right, let's just uh, let's go on. It's statelinetack.com, and apparently if you delete your cookies and come back in, you get that interesting message. It gives you an additional 30% off. So With a code. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, can I have the horse that is in the Amigo Hero blanket advertisement? I don't think they're selling the horse cute. for $120. <laughs> I don't think that's... I don't think I you get the horse for that. that. I want that horse. <laughs> All right, let's go to our guest. We're going to talk about shopping for horse properties and what you should look for. And we've had a lot of our listeners shopping and buying horse properties in the last year. So let's see how you all did. Or if you're looking for one right now, let's uh, give you some ideas of what to look for. Well, we have Elaine here with us. She's with HorsesForCleanWater.com, and she's stopping by to talk to us about the things we look for for buying a suitable horse property, and maybe even going beyond the barn and the arena, the things we all look for right away. And Jamie just bought hers a couple years ago, and we had a lot of listeners, Elaine, this last year buy horse properties, COVID farms. Mm-hmm. So I'm, And mm-hmm. we have a bunch more looking this year, so I'm glad to have you on. Where do you start when you're looking for a horse property? What are the things you should absolutely look for? Well, the first thing uh, I tell people when I'm working with them um, on selecting a suitable site is to really give some hard thinking to whether you're ready to be uh, a horse property manager because it's a lot different than boarding your horse and first of all you need to be thinking about are you ready for that 24 7 job of horse and horse property management and uh if so then i then interestingly enough the first thing that you start with is looking at the soil type of the property that you're getting so, for example, if you are interested in having pasture, you're going to need suitable soil for pastures. Like sandy loam is a good uh, soil, but soils that don't drain well, like clay or boggy soils, um, are not going to have a lot of nutrients. Um, like in rocky soils, those will be really low uh, nutrient. So they're not going to be good candidates for soils that are going to have productive horse pastures. Uh, on and that, saying that on, it's a real Elaine, on that note, we lived yep. in Pennsylvania and we had a farm that was great for growing grass, but two inches below the surface was solid shale. And putting in fencing mm-hmm. was a freaking nightmare. <laughs> it was like, get dynamite yeah, exactly. out. <laughs> you know, it was awful. Or if it's wetland soil and you're trying to put in um, barns and and paddocks, it's just going to be a muddy mess forever. You'll never get past that. So you talk to um, how you can get help with that is you can talk to your local conservation district. There's one in every county. Or you can uh, talk to the NRCS, which is the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Or you can go online to uh, the NRCS's website, uh, which is called Web Soil Survey, and 
all the soils of the whole uh, United States have been surveyed and there's information there. It's kind of like getting the horoscope of your soil. Really? So for a horse, horse property, you need to start from the ground up. Otherwise, you're going to be spending your whole time working against yourself. And like you said, you know, if it's shale, uh, hard pan underneath, uh, it's never going to be very productive and it's going to be hard to work with if, if your goal is to have pasture. Right. So then the next thing that I tell people to look at is the existing vegetation on the property. And those plants are going to tell you a lot about the conditions on the property. So again, if you see wetlands plants like rushes and sedges, it's going to tell you that that area is is like a wetlands or it's going to be pretty boggy at best. Um, And then there's other plants that indicate compaction. So plants that have a large taproot, and it's going to depend on what kind of uh, weeds or plants in your area that might be, but in some places that would be like Scott's broom um, and, uh, and other kinds of weeds with a big taproot. Um, and, it, and also look to see if there's a lot of noxious weeds and, and uh, plants like that that are going to be difficult, uh, invasive and difficult to deal with. So again, Conservation District or NRCS, or a native plant society, um, those are going to be the kind of people that can help you with that. So it's kind of, once again, kind of like getting the horoscope for your property. It's going to tell you what's going on there. One of the other things I do. Along that lines, uh, with with, to follow up on that, uh, one of the things that we've always done with any property that we've looked at is we always wait Try and wait if you if you can until it rains really hard for a day or two, and then go back and yeah. take a look at that one the house, the barn, and all of that to see if you have leaks, but two to see the property and be, you some of the properties even around us they're great when it's dry, but boy, if we get a lot of rain they're it's flooding through the barn and up to the house. I mean you would never know that if somebody didn't tell you and you went in a kind of a dry time so you took the words right out of my mouth that was exactly oh, my next my next point. So very good. So yeah, that's exactly what I tell people to do is, is really, this is the time of year when you want to shop for a horse property, uh, in North America anyway. And, uh, you want to go during the rainy season or a storm event to see what the topography is and what the drainage is and how and where water runs. Um, and then if you're planning to build, it'll give you some idea of where to put your barn. Um, or if the existing arena is in uh, a bad area. So, yeah, this is the time of year, and during the rain or storm is a good time to go. And then another thing, kind of along those lines, it's it's still looking around and looking at the big picture. So look at the potential new neighborhood and see if it's compatible with horses. I see so many places where it's development all the way around, and those potential non-equestrian neighbors may not be as tolerant of things like odors and flies and dust or early morning tractors mowing a pasture. So you got to think about that and uh, think about whether there's going to be services that you need in your area, vet, farrier, uh, feed store, you know, those kinds of things. We have the opposite um, problem. The we live in a equestrian neighborhood with about 400 farms here in Ocala. So it's an equestrian mm-hmm. neighborhood. Every property is 5 to 10 acres. It's an equestrian neighborhood. That's what it was made for. Now all the non-equestrians are moving in and bitching about there's poop on the road. Uh, you know, these horses are riding on my front yard when, in fact, it's a right-of-way and they're allowed to ride there. You know, so we're getting the opposite problem now as the city people are moving into the country and wondering why there's country here. <clears throat> That's yeah. weird. Yeah. You know, I was kind of the same thing. That my yeah, friend go ahead. lives on a, a big horse property up near the city, and her problem is not that people don't like it; it's that people love it, and they're like, her. At least her neighbor asked, was like, "Can we dump our grass clippings over the fence and feed your horse?" And like, she'll come by, and like somebody has stopped on the side of the road and is like giving her horses peppermints or carrots or 
who knows what, you know, so I think she has the uh-huh. opposite problem of being in the city and being a bit of a novelty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are all good points. So yeah, you want to check out your neighborhood and, you know, see what the pluses and minuses are going to be about uh, with the neighborhood. And there's totally, it's totally the case. And even now it's a more so with the pandemic that more, um, urban people are moving to rural areas, uh, whether they're livestock people or not. Um, so yeah, things to think about. Um, another thing I encourage people to think about, um, you know, these are all things other than the barns and arena and, and those kind of structures. The next thing is accessibility. Uh, for example, um, well, this is thinking about like deliveries or emergencies. So our driveways wide enough for horse trailers or hay deliveries, um, overhead wires like from phones or electricity, um, you know, are they too low to get a gate through a, a truck through a gate? And at our uh, former place in Washington, we had a big long driveway that went uphill and it was narrow and uh, you could swing into it, but the problem was that like, directly across the from the gate was a telephone pole right next to the road. So you could never swing wide to the right in order to pull left into the driveway. So it was very problematic for um, hay deliveries and uh, big uh, rigs, big trucks and trailers getting in the driveway. We have the same problem so, here. Our driveway then, is a sharp right turn when you come through the gate. It's a sharp right turn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we basically, you could maybe get a 24-foot tag along, but that's all you're going to do. You know, it's it's all the bigger you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was about the same for us. And when we finally moved, uh, they couldn't get a moving truck in. So we had to pay like uh, a lot more because they brought the big truck, left it out on the road, and then had to bring little trucks and ferry things down. <laughs> so um, it's something to, uh, it's it's a very important thing to think about. Um, and, you know, if you had a fire, it would be a real problem because you wouldn't be able to get a big rig in there. Um Next point is to look at natural features, you know, because creeks and ponds and wetlands are really attractive, but there might also be ordinances and regulations that affect water bodies. Uh, So you want to check on buffers and setbacks and fencing regulations uh, that pertain to any kind of environmentally sensitive area like those natural areas. Um, And then you want to look at what's already there. So that would be man-made features like barns and outbuildings and uh, arenas um, and inventory their usefulness and soundness and appropriateness for horses. A lot of people are trying to retrofit like a dairy farm or a sheep farm to make it applicable for horses. And, you know, ceilings may not be high enough. There's going to be cement floors, which are not usually practical for horses. Um, so we you really again, want to think We had about, that problem uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. We, Pennsylvania is known as a land of bank barns, right? So right. the problem is the right. bank barns were all built for cows, and the cows all lived on the bottom, and then your hay and stuff on the top, but the, the cows lived on the bottom. It was concrete, and the floor and the ceilings tended to be lower. I could barely stand up, so we had to we had to jackhammer all the concrete which by the way in a cow barn is made mm-hmm. really thick um so we had mm-hmm. to jackhammer all of that out what a nightmare that was <laughs> what's a nightmare yeah I, i've totally seen lots of that because you know it's those old barns are beautiful and uh people fall in love with the aesthetics of it and think they can make it a horse property but i've seen more than one time when they eventually give up and put it back on the market. Well, and circulation is not great either. So they were made without a lot of windows and stuff, you know, because usually the -hmm. the first floor of those bank barns are stone or block of some kind. uh, And they were made without Mm -hmm. a lot of windows because cows didn't need windows, right? So it was Mm -hmm. just, yeah, there were a lot of issues with it. Mm -hmm. It was nice, though. You could fill the entire hayloft with hay and drop it down into the stalls. That was nice. (laughs) That was about... Mm -hmm. Again, well, there's yeah. horse barns that are like that. Uh, 
that are built where you can have hayloft above and feed down. But then, of course, you have to be cognizant of dust and mold and that kind yeah. of thing. And fire. In, in the barn. Yeah. And fire. Yeah. Right. So another existing feature that you want to look for, is there an existing manure pile? I mean, did the, the previous owner may or may not have had a manure management plan? And if they've been stockpiling manure, that could actually be a liability, depending on where it's at. You know, is it in a someplace where you can get it removed? Or is it if it's near a water source or a steep bank or a ravine, it may be unstable. And you might be liable for any environmental issues that it ca- ends up causing. So that's a really important thing to um, take a, a good look at. How do you get, how do you handle it out there, Jenny? Um, how do you handle your manure? Do you spread it or what do you do? Um, <clears throat> you what know, I, what I teach people. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he just asked what I do. I mean, with, with the big pasture that we have, I drag it. There's five horses on 15 acres. So it has enough above us of a space, you know, in the smaller places, it'd be nice to pick, but to be honest, you know, it's winter time and I'm dragging yeah. it right now, but <laughs> right come now. springtime, we'll yeah. have a problem with the the flies, you know, so that that's also something you have to worry about is the pesticides. I'm actually reading your website right now, horsesforcleanwater.com. And there's a great blog on there you are providing. There's also some services that you can get from you. And there's a store that you can find tip sheets, which is really cool, like 250 a sheet. And then you can find all the tips you need talking about like I was just reading through farm tips for June eliminating mm-hmm. flies and mosquitoes and keeping pastures and plants productive and we started a compost here when we first moved in and now I've got a second compost pile there and I'm it's like don't keep your compost pile where rain would wash it into the water source well I planned that like I feel like I like reading this and I'm like I did it and just <laughs> yes you win you get an A <laughs> I filled my I have a like a little like paddock off the barn that is for layups or new horses or something like that. And I just put a re- like probably six inches of sand in it, like a, like a little bit of a sacrifice area. And I was just reading about that and I'm like, yes, I'm doing it right. So, uh, if you do guys have any questions, go to horsesforcleanwater.com. This is fantastic. And I know so many listeners have new, new things, you know, I'm like reading about putting compost around the trees, but like, don't put it up against the trunk of the tree because then you can like suffocate the tree. Yeah. All these great tips. So I, I, I highly recommend this website. I'm fascinated. Y'all have been talking. I've just been reading. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to yeah, leave, so, uh, um, we're, we're sh- yeah, running you were asking short on, about manure yeah. management. Yeah. There's uh, a couple of different, there's many different ways that you can manage manure. My favorite way is to uh, pick it up in, in stalls and paddocks and high traffic areas and arenas every day to help prevent flies and also to help prevent parasite reinfestation and reduce mud and then to compost it and then apply that compost back to the pasture during the growing season. And I, um, you know, we could talk about that another time. And I have resources on my website about about how to do that. Because there's a right way to do that and a not right way, right? I feel like I need a manure spreader because I can like put a pickleball in my compost, put it because it's aged for a year now, and put it in the yeah, thing and then spread it in the pastures, and uh, that's what I need. But yeah, I you do. Yeah, leave a you little do bit. need a manure spreader, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't you have one? It's called a husband, isn't that your manure spreader? The, he's the tractor guy. <laughs> yeah, well, my husband. <laughs> My husband's the trainer and our and the judge and the and clinician in our family. Oh, see, I was the opposite. I was always the manure spreader horse. That's usually the horse husband's job, right? Well, we are running out of time. This has been fascinating, and I know there's a thousand more things we could cover, but uh, that, let's let them go to their, mm-hmm. your website for that horsesforcleanwater.com. But very interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. Bookie. Thank you so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. So, so yeah, that's a great website. I'm just like pouring through the information. You passed the test? Your farm passed it? The first one you bought had the water issues, right? Isn't that why you ended up not using it? The first, the first like, one we bought, we, so we bought the property and we were told one thing and it turns out we were, uh, something was different. So the, the city that we were living in, you could not build your barn and your horse structures before you had a mortgage on the home oh, and there was no right. home on that property. That's what it so was. we couldn't. Yeah. And so I was like, what do you want to do? Like tell the horses to hang out for a year <laughs> while we're building the house. So 
that didn't work. I, I couldn't find a place for the horses. And then there was a, like under the ground, there was a very high water table. So any structures we did build, which could be built. They just needed extra rebar, you know, or whatever. And I just, I was like, those two things were just enough for me. So when we found this place, it already had a home on it. So that's why we were able to build the barn. Otherwise it becomes a ranch property, um, like a business property. And you can't even sell it as a residence when you sell it. So that's how, why we did it. And those rules are different in every state too. Uh, Every little city, like Oklahoma city is different than Norman, which is different than, I don't all the, Small towns around here, everything is different. And you always find the one thing they lied about when they sold you the house. Like ours was when we bought the big house. It was 5,000 square feet. It had 20 rooms. Uh, But they never told us that the basement flooded. And we were wondering why in the rec room in the basement there was brand new carpet. And everything was new. It (laughs) all looked wonderful. New walls, new carpet, new everything. The the rec room was fantastic. It's one of the reasons I love that house. Came with, it actually came with with, uh, game machines and everything. Pool table, the whole thing. And then we had a really hard rain and it filled up with four inches of water and that was all ruined. Oh my God. And they didn't that tell sucks. us about yeah. that. Yeah. It turns out people selling things aren't always honest. Funny how that works. <laughs> uh, this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see a notice progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores, especially those that you find in the South. You can find all of their products at Equiderma.com. That's Equiderma.com. Well, are you ready for some weird news? Let's do it. By the way, I think we could post something in the auditor room, something to the effect of what what were you not told when you bought your house? I bet you could get a lot of good ones there. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Isn't that fancy? I love it. I'm dancing over here. Well, I would like to thank Danielle and Rachel Dominguez for sending me some weird news. You also sent me some. So thanks y'all very much. I appreciate it. When you see something weird in the news, just email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com and uh, help me out a little bit because, you know, I'm not in every corner of the world or every corner of a state, which is, do you know where Athens, Pennsylvania is? No. I I've never heard of that. I've heard of it. No, it's a big state. Oh, well, you know what? Something weird happened. A 26 year old woman was in a hotel and she was staying there. And I mean, I'm assuming she got a little wonky, maybe, uh, some, some drinking or something else. Maybe I don't know, know. but, uh, she's currently facing several felonies when Athens police, allege she destroyed a hotel room and sprayed a, (laughs) she took the fire and she destroyed this hotel room. Right. And then she goes outside and she gets the fire extinguisher off the wall and starts running through the fourth floor of the hotel, spraying the fire extinguisher. When that one runs out, she grabs another one for spraying a fire extinguisher. I believe she went downstairs. This is the Candlewood Suites in Athens running around. But here's the really fun part, Glenn. Not only has she destroyed a hotel room, taken multiple fire extinguishers off the wall, run through the hallway, spraying them. She was also completely naked. That's right. (laughs) I think there was some acid involved there. By the way, this is um, not a big town. It's 3,000 people, and it's on the New York border, the very north. Oh, you found it. Well, you know, they did say that she was detained and placed into custody, where officers said she continued to kick and stomp. I guess she caused $6,500 worth of damage to the hotel room. Drugs are bad, everybody. Drugs are bad. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. She through. threw a chair out the window, damaged furniture, broke the TV, <laughs> shred all the pictures in the wall, ripped the lamp out of the wall, hit that window with it, the bedspread master, all of the things. So she, um, oh my God. She also, while detained, removed two hinge pins from her cell door and then had to be restrained at floor shackles. <laughs> Oh my While God! Screaming, she tried to break I'm out. I'm going to and, kill you. And by I'm the way, how? Why can you remove a hedge fence from your cell door? Why? That how messed up? To, but like, yeah, that, it is a tiny little town. Maybe they just put them in like the back room. I don't know. 
It's almost like the, in Andy Griffith where they had the like the cell and yes. Otis and Trump yes. would come in. He's like, yeah. okay. And he would grab the keys off the wall and let himself out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds nice. like in Athens, Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, next one. We're going to head over to Texarkana, Arkansas. Texarkana, Arkansas. Uh, because there's, you know what? Sometimes, Glenn, sometimes you just got to get to the Walmart. Okay? <laughs> and nothing's going to stop you. Not distance, not lack of a vehicle, not having any money for a Lyft or an Uber, apparently. Oh, can I guess what they drove? What? Lawnmower. No. Oh. No, she didn't have one of those. Oh, okay. Shh. <laughs> She didn't. Shaylin, Shay Ann Lynn, okay, that's her name. Shay Ann Lynn on Wednesday took a video of a woman heading to the Walmart Supercenter in Texarkana, Arkansas. And uh, she said, you know, I just had to video it because my friend was with me. He actually rolled down the window and he turned around and yelled at her like, hey, what are you, this is a quote, by the way. Hey, what are you doing, girl? You're crazy. And all she did was turn around and she looked at him and she didn't say nothing. And she looked serious like the whole time. So, I mean, I think she might've done it a couple times before. What did she do, Glenn? She hopped on the back of a Walmart big rig and rode it to the store. It's almost like in the movie. A tractor back trailer the truck? Yeah, she hopped on the back of a tractor trailer truck. It is like spider monkey, like hanging on to the back. Uh, there's like, and people are videoing her. She's like, I did stay a little bit far back in case she fell off. I didn't want to run over her. <laughs> yeah. She said, but at the time I was laughing, but I was so worried about her. And I really hope people don't think that that's a good idea because it is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's been she's been arrested. Yeah, and that's yeah. what could possibly go wrong in that scenario. Not nothing, yeah. nothing. As is kind of appropriate, Glenn, we are going to go to wait, I've got this same news story on here twice. Well, let's head to Florida. Why not? Um the Coast Guards in in the US. <laughs> You know what? There is a, a a boat, and it's a tiki hut boat. It's like a floating tiki hut. I guess it's got a motor on it somewhere. It's a, bar, it's a bar, they're bars that float, and they're they it's look a, like tiki huts. Yeah, it's a floating. They're tiki a little hut like bar. round, like a gondola kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was missing, and and the the person whoever owned this thing said, you know what, uh, my tiki hut floating boat has gone missing, and I don't know what to do with it. And um, yeah, they found it. They did find it. It was just floating away. It was weird. Um, they found it. The boat was recovered in Hawks Channel area on Wednesday. Officials didn't say how long it had been missing before it was found. And so they, they oh, we found the Tiki Hut. Y'all get on. And they bring their Coast Guard boat up to the next of it. And then they jump on it. And they're like, oh, my God. They found something else. A drunk, passed out person. <laughs> <laughs> he was on there by himself drinking. He's having a good time. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, this is the, the What is a bar as- loaded down? <laughs> You, uh, United States Coast Guard Southeast tweeted this. Oh, God, I love Twitter. <laughs> Only because of this. Uh, they, the station, the Key West crews recovered a reportedly stolen Tiki Hut boat near Hawks Channel. The person on board showed signs of intoxication <laughs> and was taken into custody. Don't drink and boat, people. <laughs> Je- oh, Jemmy and I were supposed to do those in one of our trips for Finding Florida, and it was all lined up, and it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I remember this was in Tampa. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We were supposed to go out in this tiki hut, and they were going to, you know, we were going to drink our drinks on the tiki hut while going around the, the bay or whatever, and a big th- Florida thunderstorm was coming up, and we called them and said, well, you know, we're not going out in a tiki hut during the thunderstorm, and they said, oh, we do it all the time. Come on over, and we were like, no, we're not going out, and it was a wicked storm. The wind was whipping and everything. I was like, hell no. <laughs> they still wanted um, us to go out. So I, when I was in Hawaii and I was five months pregnant, I decided to, to I wanted to go whale watching. And the sea was angry that day, my friends. 
And I just thought, we can't do this. Let, so let, we go for new listeners, thing. Jamie doesn't do well anything on the water in the first place. So, yes, I yeah. don't. But I love. I really want to. And I a love raft animals. And I love it. It was like a big boat and like a big, like wide enough where you could walk around it, you know. And I thought, well, I can do this. I really want to see the humpback whales. Like a bucket list thing. I really want to go. But it was. Like I said, this, he was angry that day, my friends, and I, I wanted to cancel. And I go up to the front. He's like, hell no, we're going. Get on. Like, let's do this. Like, it'll be fine. You know what? It smoothed out further you go. <laughs> well, that is a damn lie. I will tell you what. I was okay on the way out. And we saw the whales, and it was great. And again, remember, <clears throat> five months pregnant. We get turned around, and we start going back. And I don't know what happened, but the... The, the the direction that we were heading out was okay, but the direction heading in was not okay. And the boat started rocking and it was going up and down and up and down. And I would go, <gasps> I puked the whole way home. I was like, can we please get there faster? Nobody and loved you, you like, on that ship. Oh my God, look at that beautiful breach of the humpback. And I'm like, <laughs> F you. I don't want to look at anything. I just want to go home. Poor Chad. He was just like, uh, yeah, I painted the side of that boat. And I did apologize. I was like, I'm so sorry. I puked all over the side of your boat. And you know what he said to me? What? It's okay. It happens all the time. <laughs> They're going to get their money, whether you like it or not. <laughs> we were at deep sea fishing. It was uh, my brother, his wife, and Jennifer and I were deep sea, deep sea fishing off of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we were deep, deep, deep sea fishing two days before Hur Hurricane Hugo hit. Now, Hugo was a big one. Um, uh, Hugo was a four, I think. So we had to evacuate that day. We went deep sea fishing in the morning. And... I don't know why we went out. I really don't know why the boat, boat took us out. There weren't many on the boat. But it was so fun. We were thought it was fun. We were standing in the front, holding onto the rail because we would hit, the waves were huge. And we'd hit those double waves, and it was like riding a roller coaster. And we thought that was great. Until mm -hmm. the one where it bottomed out, the wave, you know, the double wave thing. And our leg, our feet stayed in the air when we came down. And then the captain came on and said, everybody, please come to the back of the boat. So we were kicked out of the front of the boat at that point <laughs> we caught so many fish that day jamie you you would throw your line in you'd catch a fish you throw your line in and catch a fish we must have caught hundreds of fish that day i they nice. were all biting because i guess they were figured out ah, hurricanes coming we're gonna die anyway let's just bite the bait and go on the boat sounds fun last mm. one. Oh, sorry i was too busy thinking about uh boats <laughs> deep sea fishing hurricanes <laughs> a news story that has been all over the place. I've heard it on regular radio as well. I'm in my car and it's, it's have you heard about the warnings of the icicles? Why you should never ever eat an icicle? This is old, isn't it? Hasn't it been around a while? Uh, this was this story was released uh, January 6th. Okay. And right. and I mean I'm sure it's, it's going on, but uh the the icicles that form on your house, like when we were kids, you know, you break them off and you eat them like they're like an Astro Pop, right? You know, you suck on your icicle and all that. Well, somebody did a study and like searched, like they, they melted the icicle down and they started like analyzing what was actually in the icicle. It's yeah. pretty gross. You kind of figure the icicle comes off the roof, right? I mean, so it's got to have roof stuff. Yeah. You know what's on your roof? Bird birds poop. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's and what also birds do on your roof they poop so they analyzed the all of the uh, icicles and they found just a lot of poop in them there's a lot of bird poop there's also an insect in some places called snow fleas and they're not really fleas but they're small and they're little like parasitic bugs um but but they they don't bite they're good for your lawn and gardens because they help decompose organic material you just don't want to eat them now i started thinking about this and everybody's freaking out about how terrible icicles are for you to eat and then i started realizing i ate icicles as a kid maybe it's we good for your icicles. digestive system <laughs> you know like maybe it's like ben beneficial for your um not your digestive system for your uh keeping yourself healthy you know and and not getting adding sick. the bad back you gotta add the bad bacteria in there to 
Exactly. Like when I would put Lucas in the wheelbarrow and roll him around and clean the stalls, yeah. people were like horrified. But I thought, you know, his immune system is going to be top notch. And it is, right? Um, so knock on wood. <laughs> but he also ate chicken poop and yeah. I'm pretty sure he licked dog poop. And, and went for the first his- uh, seven years of his life completely naked on the entire farm. So that's still a thing. So, oh. yes. Almost <laughs> still eight. working on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Lucas, it is. 34 degrees outside put on some clothes it's like i'm hot died and he still goes outside to pee completely naked 34 degrees <laughs> you're really gonna have to end that soon it's gonna get uh it's gonna get interesting in junior high yeah. <laughs> you know what he can figure all that out <laughs> hey uh before we wrap the show up today i did want to tell the auditors you're gonna want to hang around because i have a I went to BuzzFeed to find something to talk about with the auditors today. And this is an article, and it's a quiz, actually. And we're going to see how we do. And everybody can play along. It's it's finding out how dateable you are. Now, it's been a while since you and I have dated. Uh, But they're going to give us... You wait, stop. You and I never dated each other. It sounded no. like you were saying with oh, sorry. Dated. No, that we have we dated at all. Date. Yes, with anybody. Uh, be- just because we've been married a while. That was my point. But uh, I dated a lot, so yeah. <laughs> I should I should still really, I still have nightmares about it. So, well, yeah. Well, these are I'll first date scenarios and they give you options of what you would do in those first date scenarios. So, we're going to discuss leave. those. <laughs> a lot of them options are leave. Yes, that's a lot of the options. So, we're going to see. Now, it might take me a while to remember. It's been 30 years since I dated, so it's been a while. All right. Uh, one other thing before we go. Did you see the article about whipping horses to get in the trailers, that study thing? I did. I did see I that. started reading that article. This is out of Italy. And it was a study they did. And I just, I had to give up. I, I just, I went, how, why is this published? <laughs> did you think the same thing? So it's a study that was done by a bunch of Italian and it was a survey of Italian horse industry members. And it's a study about all the different things and reasons why to do or to not do certain things when loading your horses. I didn't understand a whole lot of it. Um, but I do know that it was, uh, 148 people responded. They comprised a mix of amateurs and professionals and that, they they kind of like took all the numbers and crunched them and pretty much number one if you use a whip to load a horse it causes way more stress and injuries and uh, 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 not wanting to load the next time let me tell you something you're a horse you see a trailer last time somebody used a whip on you and you'd go up to that trailer they're like they don't want to go in the trailer you know why because something bad happens and then you bust out that whip and they're like i knew it I knew something bad was going to happen. Um, but that's, that's like so obvious to me. Uh, I was trail riding this weekend and one of the horses wouldn't load my, one of my friend's horses. And I, I started doing it. And this woman walks up with a dressage, a lunge whip. Can I help you? And I looked out the window and I was like, Oh my goodness, absolutely not. <laughs> and she just turned around and walked off. I was like, I was probably a little harsh, but yeah, no, I don't need your help. Um, Anyway, uh, said sedatives, they said sedated horses may seem more manageable to load, but it's not a good idea because it causes transport related behavior problems. Okay. Remember Groot the first year to prepare him for the makeover, I had to take him places and he would lose his mind. And I finally talked to his trainer and I said, how did you get this horse in the trailer? Like, how did you, how did you travel, get him to travel? And he was like, dorm. Was his one word answer, Dormosedan. This is a sedative. And it's actually like a sedative where they basically wake up, you know, and so he would just wake up in a box and then he would freak out and kick and stomp. And that's what he did every time he got in the trailer. Now I was able to fix that, fortunately. But at any rate, uh, they also said that the probability of displaying problem behaviors increased by five times if the horse handler was female. Wow, isn't that interesting? Who do you think filled out the survey? Glenn? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. 140 respondents, and uh, Horse World is uh, 80% women. <laughs> so, yeah. So, out of 140 respondents, 142 of them were women. So, you know what? <laughs> These women got a bigger problem. Yeah, they do. Obviously. The other like, problem I on. had is when you ask somebody uh, if they're doing something negative on a survey, they tend to not want to say, I whip my horse into submission and throw him on the trailer. 
So I'm guessing that the numbers were a little skewed to the more positive side of that anyway. This study is stupid. Aside from saying don't use a whip while loading your horse, the whole thing is stupid. It blames women. It blames, you know, like people were like, what if maybe women are too emotional? I don't know. Maybe women are the only ones who fill out the damn survey and one <laughs> guy filled it out. And he's like, fine, fine for me. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. And the other going to be like, you know what? I whipped my horse and I drugged it and I had problems. You know what else? You know what else he said here? Make sure your brakes work. Wow, that is really big information. Thank you very much. Although I will remind everybody, now that it's wintertime, you really ought to have your bearings checked and packed and your brakes checked. So do that. Yeah, way to make a positive out of it. Well, it is that time. You're not using your trailer anyway. Bring it to the shop. Get your. You have to have your bearings and your brakes checked every year. So please get that done. Just yeah, my, train, tra- train your reminder. horse. You're not going somewhere. Get a Julie <laughs> Halter. Go to MontyRobertsUniversity.com. It's the easiest way to teach your dang horse to load. I mean, it's amazing. And, and Jennifer also, uses his method, and it worked. It works fine for Nigel now. He loads. Well, this horse that I was loading at the. Uh, trail place when we were leaving the trail ride on Sunday, you know, he just, he would put his foot in and then run backwards out and put his foot in and run backwards out. And I was like, give me the horse. And so she has a step up trailer and she's kind of parked on a bit of a hill. So it's like a big step. And I, I watched and this horse willingly walked up to the trailer, but as, put, as soon as he put a foot in, he would slide so his foot went in and it slid forward oh, and he's slipped. also stepping up. Yeah. And I said, okay, pull your trailer to where we're going down a hill. And then the step was, you know, six inches. And I was like, you've got to put more bedding in here. She had a little bit of shavings. I'm like, you have to load this thing up with shavings because what's happening to this horse in particular is he wants to get in. And she's like, he just doesn't like going home. And I was like, you know what it is? It's not that he doesn't like going home. It's the fact that he loads nicely when he's home because there's fresh, dry shavings, but Mm. he pees in the trailer on the way here, and then he loads up on the way home and his foot slides. So you've got to still look at the situation and what you're doing, you know, assess the risk that you're putting your horse into and assess what they're trying to tell you. Every horse is trying to tell you something. Enough. I'm done. (sighs) I'm tired. (laughs) That was good, though. That was good. Well, (laughs) thanks everybody for joining us. Hang on auditors. Uh, We're going to talk about dating here in a minute. Uh, And tomorrow we have the Fox hunting episode with Tara and Jennifer. And then on Friday, we got some really bad ads. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We're giving away over $500 in prizes this month. And uh, that'll be in a couple of weeks here. So you have a couple of weeks, get your ads in. We'll read them. If we don't read them, you'll be entered into the drawing to win all that cool stuff. Thank to Stateline Tech for supporting today's show, statelinetech.com. And hopefully you'll get the pop-up window for 30% off. That's it for today. Thanks, everybody. Spay and neuter geld. And Jamie's website. Flyover Farm. Facebook, Flyover Farm. Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. 